Oh, we got a little history to break into today's Ingle Radio, the podcast. Uh, congratulations to Aiden Hill. We'll get into that in just a little bit as we welcome you into this episode brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, with the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. And they are buzzing over at the Hockey Shop right now, Woody. They are. They're always buzzing at the hockey shop. It's busy. And you know what? It's that time of year where most of you have got your got your gear for the year. But if you don't, if you're still looking for something new, new set of pads, gloves, sticks, they still got those pro returns from CCM. Um, they've got an option for you in the new gear department. But sometimes it's just about refreshing old gear. Uh, that's our segment today. We're going to talk about uh, pro laces, an option for a new option for toe ties that they're carrying in store. But just one of many. When you go over to the accessory section down in the gold department, they've got it all. You want butt ends? Don't feel like taping up the butt end of your stick? They got that. Uh, They got the goalie block to help you prevent getting stingers up the hand that ride up the paddle and practice. You know, that's where you take 200 shots a day. Might as well protect your hand in it. And I've seen some people using it in games as well. Uh, You name it, they've got it. Danglers for you, Darren. Multiple options. They've got stuff to clean your gear. They've cleaned like Yarrow Halak. They've got some of the pads to help clean your pads, keep them white. Nice. They've got pad skins, you name it. In that section, it's about, I want to say it's about 25 feet long, about shoulder height on me, not hot. So that gets a whole extra row. Um, all accessories <laughs> for all your goaltending equipment. So as always, if you've got a question, make sure you call camp, check them out at thehockeyshop.com. It's not just about the big pricey uh, new pads, new masks, new everything. It's about the little parts here and there, chin cups, strap kits. They've got a strap kit there now that'll let you show the artwork off on the back of your mask rather than covering it. Um, Just so many different options in the accessories section at thehockeyshop.com. So make sure you check it out because sometimes, and Cam's honest about this, you call him and talking about foams and chin cups and he'll tell you. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a subject in the next couple of weeks. When you need to replace a mask, chances are they've got an option for you, maybe something on sale right now, or when you're just okay to replace some parts for it. So make sure you check them out at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com for all your accessory needs. And uh, Cecil upstairs uh, doing the repairs. You can you can phone, talk to them, and and mail your stuff in and and get it repaired. I assume. Yeah, kind of like me playing beer league. Just mail it in. <laughs> well done. Uh, I like the I like the shot at yourself after you subtly drop a uh, a little jab at Hutch about the height. Like that that wasn't deserved. Hutch, stand stand up but, for yeah. yourself. Oh, you are. <laughs> Just carry on. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, we're having some fun today on Ingle Radio, the podcast. Uh, we want to get into uh, the Sense Arena feature interview. Devin Dubnik, it is one hour long, so settle in, but it is a fascinating journey through Devin Dubnik's uh, career uh, from uh, just how he got into playing goal to what he's doing now and uh, and everything, like literally everything in between. And this is the, uh, it's hard to believe it's the first time that uh, that he's on this podcast. Yeah, he... Uh... Do, do you remember any other times we've maybe chatted with him, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe the editor could edit that out. I can't believe that I forgot we had him on only like 40 episodes ago. That would explain there's a little bit of awkward silence when, when I introduced him by saying I couldn't believe it had been that long. I remember it's almost we, a year, Woody. Give yourself a break. A, 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're having a little trouble with the memory these season days. Season two, um, and you, and you've had him on pro reads. It's hard to keep that straight. In, well, in all honesty, well, I do remember. I do remember, like, sort of because you know, then when we talk about this with Devin, like how tough last year, he only saw his family for like sixteen days the entire season. That was a crazy stat. Because you remember when San Jose they started the year in Arizona, he lived in a hotel. Yeah. They they had established themselves. They were going to move to San Jose, but then they weren't in San Jose, anyways. Um, so I do remember he had a lot of time in hotels. And I do remember like the video sessions we did for the pro reads, but I forgot that ahead of that, we'd actually done a interview for the Ingo Radio podcast. So hopefully I didn't go over too much uh, of the same material. I do know there are a lot of great stories from this one. Uh, and speaking of Devin, the one thing you're going to hear from him is that he still wants to play. Um, and speaking of Sense Arena, one of the things he's doing now just started to try and stay ready to play because he's doing all the workout is he's giving it a go. He's going to try out Sense Arena and see if that's a good way to sort of keep the eyes and the hands active. We've seen a few injuries around the league. Uh, fortunately for the goalies involved, nothing serious. But, uh, you know, talking to him and getting the sense of how eager he is to still get back out there if the right situation presented itself, like somebody loses a main guy for a long time. This is certainly an option I'd be looking at. A uh, veteran presence, a guy that uh, has stepped into difficult situations in the past. You think back to that uh, wild journey in uh, 2013, 2014, when he was uh, Edmonton, Nashville, finished with Montreal, didn't play in Montreal, but uh, was with uh, with Hamilton. And then, of course, uh, the last year. And he, he does walk us through that uh, adventure. Yeah. And one thing he didn't bring up, and maybe I, because I forgot to bring it up, but a uh... A little birdie told me this one. Like, this is a guy who's like, he talked about how he hadn't missed a lot of games because of injury. But what he didn't talk about in the interview was how much he's played through. And in the bubble, I was told he broke his hand in the playoff bubble in 2020 on his catching glove. And he wasn't even starting. They went with Alex Stalock. And he could have just pulled the shoot and left. He had that hand shot up every single day just to be out there for practice for the guys as a target who wasn't getting into games. Wow. Had, had injections put in that hand every single day to get through the bubble. So sometimes I think the reputation is sort of like just because he is so casual about things and, and his conversation is just so matter of fact. But there's an intensity there um, that I don't think gets appreciated enough. There's so many people looking at their hands right now, know that pain of just a, just a stinger in the hand or a, like a blood vessel burst in the finger and, and, and you, there's the throbbing, never mind broken. And we're all like stick taps uh, to Devin Dubnik. Uh, Hutch, do you ever feel that? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Your GP21? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it might even be over my shoulder still. Oh, man. Greatest Christmas present ever was when that thing arrived. <laughs> funny now hey like we feel like you can't i mean quality players feel like they can't survive half a season with one glove and that thing been st sticking around here since about 1976 so uh yeah i felt a lot of stingers in that thing and there wasn't any any such thing as a uh as a practice glove back in those days either you just uh you nope. had what you had put some foam or something on your hand and try and fit yeah, it in the glove uh, with that uh, all kinds of little home home uh uh, remedies for uh, a stinger in your hand. So let's uh, get into some of the stuff that, uh, that's happened in the league to kick off this season. And then we will slide over to our gear segment uh, with uh, Cam. And uh, we're talking about uh, pro laces today. But uh, Aiden Hill, uh, who, who had Aiden Hill as the goaltender with the first shutout? And it took a while. 
seven days. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I was just thankful that he did it before a second edition of the podcast of the season. If we had to get together again without a shout out in the NHL, like that would have been great shame brought upon the union. So thank you, Aiden Hill, for helping us avoid such levels of shame. Uh, nice performance, too, as uh, he starts his career with the San Jose Sharks, uh, blanking the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we also have uh, Spencer Knight, who started 4-0 last year in the regular season and then kicked off this season with a victory in his first start. So Spencer Knight starting to climb up the ranks of uh, wins to debut uh, a career. Well, also a big game, like interstate rival two-time Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And so a lot of eyebrows raised when Spencer got the call in that game and when he played so well. And of course, a lot of people looking at that tandem and wondering who's going to ultimately end up being the number one. But your guy, Darren, your preseason prediction for Vesna Trophy, Sergei Bobrovsky, a guy who you know has taken a lot of crap over the last two years in Florida, off to a really nice start this year. And I saw a quote from Joel Quenville and this is one I got to dig into a little bit because he talked about changes that Robbie Tallis had made with Sergey, extending to from everything in terms of preparation and playing, but also right down to his equipment. So we got some digging to do on that front to see what's changed. I'm thinking it might have been something as simple as paddle length and stick. Remember how he used to grip that thing down so low on the stick? So curious to have a closer look at Bobrovsky. He's off to a great start. And instead of all the you know, worrying about who's going to do what in that tandem. Let's just look at them as a really good tandem for the Florida Panthers and a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. That paddle length, that's not a simple adjustment. That's one of the most extreme uh, one-offs of and unique uh, styles or equipment choices in the entire National Hockey League. Wouldn't you say, Hutch? Certainly could be. Uh, it's interesting because we were... One of those Carey Price days in the summer when we were on with him, he was experimenting with three different paddle sizes, each just a half inch in difference. And uh, and he could, I mean, he he took probably 15, maybe 20 shots with one of them and that was it. He was done. Okay, no, that's not the size for me. Like these guys are so precise with everything that they do. But as you say, Darren, if it's a, if it's a larger shift like Bob would be making, that would be a, a pretty significant adjustment for them. That, that, that nobody uses a paddle like Sergey Bobrovsky. I mean, it's small. It's also like yeah. the way he shaves, shaves it down. It down yeah. It, yeah, it's yeah, it's not so much that the paddle length as it is how he shaves down the shoulder and how low he grips it on there. So, um, you know, I think we've got something from Chris Dreger on the origins of or him experimenting with it and some of the explanations for it. We'll have to put that up at Inglemag.com in the very near future as part of the end of one of his pro rates. Uh, Corey Schneider, uh, New York Islanders, using matching gloves and pads. What's happening? Is uh, is the world uh, is the is the apocalypse upon us? Oh, uh, Corey! All those years of telling me you're always going to make more money stopping pucks as a mutt, and now all of a sudden you're fashionable. What's going on here? <laughs> um, listen, uh, obviously, I, I I'd say I'm like it's he's wearing true gear. I'm not surprised that that's finally the company that got him out of Vaughn pads because I think. Um, especially since they're no longer using the one-piece core uh, injection molded core that they were using with CCM. It would probably be a lot easier for them to create what Corey likes, which is just uh, like, I'm not talking about a soft boot flex. I'm talking like mushy. Like he just wants that thing mushy. And so that was always an issue when they tried to get him in in the Lefebvre by CCM. They couldn't get it 
soft enough without actually creating a clean break at the boot like the Vons used to have where the the shin piece and the boot piece are two actual separate pieces, which used to be sort of why Vaughn pads tended to sort of shrink down in size a little, right? That shin would kind of, that shin piece would sort of break in and, and work its way down mm. the boot a little bit. And um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised because just because of the way True set up and then they're no longer using that, that one piece uh, core that they'd be able to accomplish that for him. The glove, not a surprise because he was always in a very unique spec. I think we called it the Schneider spec. Remember, we had uh, Mackenzie Blackwood on talking about using it wasn't just a 580. It was the Schneider spec 580. And as I understand it, something to do with sort of the way the um, the the spots for the fingers were sewing in just changed the grip a little bit. So there's that. And then I guess I was a little surprised on the blocker because he'd gone to a bower. And the way the pucks come off that bower, I don't think anybody can imitate that. But he looks good. It may be all white, but he looks good in one piece. So for the first time in his entire NHL career, Corey Schneider is head-to-toe matchy-matchy. So is Jake the only guy that doesn't match? Jake Allen? That's a good, we're going to have to take a, great a closer question, look. Yeah. He's still got the Brian, Brian's glove, and I knew he'd never switch out of that one. Um, huh. That's that's a good question. Now, you see, homework. You're creating yes. homework projects. That's, Darren, that, I haven't been in high school in 20 years. Damn you. This is a few I times. I bet you somebody's listening who'll let us know on Twitter. Yeah, guarantee uh, about that. Share hey, it with us. Hey, I'm watching the games, and it's 6 5, 8 2, 5 3. Uh, amazing offense. I'm looking at the box scores and three point nights and four point nights for players. And then you go over to the goalie numbers, Hutch, and they're good. I. Where's the disconnect? Because the eye test and the stats page don't mesh. Well, and and don't don't forget some of the great photos that people have shared on social too of the defensive breakdowns where we've got three on o, four on o, four on one, uh, just some incredible stuff. And I, as you expect at the beginning of a season, that the defensive structure is not in place. Uh, you're gonna see some lopsided numbers and some crazy breakdowns, and yet. Uh, there we've got, is it nine goaltenders sitting at 950 and above on save percentage right now? Um, even for an old curmudgeon like me that calls that a team statistic, that doesn't fit, does it? Uh, and speaking of, you know, the old bingo card, who had, uh, Dustin Tokarski leading the league in goals against average and, uh, Craig Anderson also in the top 10, the Buffalo tandem. Um, it's a, it's a strange start to the year. I, of course. Small sample sizes, we all know that, but isn't that fun? That's the best part of the season. I love it when uh, your favorite player scores a goal in the first game of the season, and then we can suddenly project them to an 82-goal season. Like, that's the best part of the year. Or how about two and we project them to 164? It's, uh, I love this time of year for all the crazy stats that come out. But, hey, kudos to these guys for playing so well right at the beginning of the season. Uh, the Craig Conroy effect. That's what that is. So one year he had like a brilliant first week and was on a crazy pace. And that that's one that I remember. Well, hey, how about all you all, all you Leaf fans out there that saw Austin Matthews? What, what was it? Four in his he first had a game ever? Decent, uh, debut in the National Started Hockey League. Like, tough to live, that, live up to that one. He's he's done it well. Like he's he's had a nice career, but yeah, tough, to, right. tough to maintain that pace. I got I got to say too. Um, if you want to know where all the six five games are on the goalie records. You got to just scroll down that uh, save percentage stat a little oh, bit because things get rough, as impressive as the handful are up around 950, 960 a week into the season. There are a bunch of names that you know are not going to stay where they are right now. Like 
Careful, Woody. Goalie yeah. union. Careful. Yeah, there's, there's some 850s. There's some numbers in the eight there this year. And hey, like you said, no, not goalie union. Product of their environment. Goaltending never exists in a vacuum. Those six, five games and yeah. wide open three on ones and nobody back checking like, hello, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, hello. Uh, weren't you a defensive team? Like, where's the best? I've never seen so many straight legged, no effort back checks in my life. And Jake Allen is bearing the brunt of that um, behind a team that has given up odd man rushes like it's the 80s. Uh, shame on the National Hockey League for not having a preseason this year and and not being able to let the players get, really get settled in before. Oh no, they did. <laughs> like there's there's no real reason for it. They teams could play as many preseason games as they wanted this year, and it's still been kind of sloppy or or as few as they want. Yeah, okay, Carolina. Uh, remember we we <laughs> talked to goalie coaches and goalies uh, over the course of this podcast about. Uh, drills that weren't exactly great for goalies in practice, like the three on O's, like the two. Well, n- n- now there's, it's come to to roost. The, there's a reason why coaches do those in practice to get your goalies ready for, for early on in the season. Apparently they're kind of useful. Hey, look, let's not forget with all those preseason games though, how many times did you see a team roll out their full lineup yeah. for the beginning of the year? So the fact that the the players are rested for the beginning of the season means they really didn't get that time, I don't think, to work on the things they needed to. If I ran a team, and it's uh, highly doubtful anybody's going to give me the keys to one, uh, I would spend the last three preseason games, no matter how many I played, with my full lineup and go and, tr- yeah, and, and try and bank those points that. early on when everybody else is, uh, is having trouble. Uh, let's get into our gear segment, and we do have the Sensorino feature interview with Devin Dubnik coming up, and uh, a fascinating conversation. But the gear segment this week brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey, uh, dealing with uh, uh, pro laces and, uh, and getting into the accessory line, uh, Woody. Yeah, we talked about all those accessories that they have at thehockeyshop.com and at The Hockey Shop in person. One of the newer ones they've added is pro laces. So uh, you may have seen these online before. Uh, there, there's some things to like about them. I won't give you all the details. We'll let Cam take care of that. But um, just one of many options that they have there. If you want to, you know, go custom, add a different look to your toe ties, to your accessories, something beyond the stock elastic. There are several different options. And now at the hockey shop, Pro Laces is among them. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports. We're back down in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv. Accessory day, something a little new. Toe ties, a subject we've talked about a lot in terms of stock options, custom options, different options. Cam has a new option, Pro Laces, in-store and online. Oh, that's what they are. I thought I met, oh, oh, oh. we we got all mixed up on the whole accessory day thing. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh my God, I didn't even like, Okay. Folks, you never know what you're going to see when you come down to Goal Utopia. Cam dressing up in accessories. Um, just don't ask him to show you his piercings or tattoos. Which let's, I have zero on. Let's stick with the stuff you put on your pads as opposed to the stuff that Cam puts on his body because no one needs to see that. Tell me about Pro Laces and what makes them unique, Cam, that way. So, finally, um, after caving in a little bit to uh, pressure, um, we picked these bad boys up. Um, another further option for bungee toe ties uh, on our wall, as well as soon to be on our website. 
What do we have? We have both a senior and a junior option in two different styles. We do have our standard elastic cord. Um, so we could give to them um, a little stiffer in the junior models, but they compensate with adding a little bit more length to. Um, what I do like, this class is designed to, on your current pad, you take out the laces or the bungees that's in there. And this actually screws in to that. So it gives you the hardware with it. So some assembly required, but then you don't have to fiddle around with doing knots or anything like that, like you do with half some of the other ones. So installation process, fairly straightforward. Um, again, straightforward bungee in both senior and junior. You've got the junior there. Yes, correct. And the senior obviously has sort of like the lace style over top of the bungee. And uh, no, not correct. There's senior and junior of this, and then senior and junior of that. That's the pro armor is what you see there. So Okay, so you've got pro armor and that's just your stock one. Just your standard bungee lace. Okay. Correct. So what happens there with the one that has the lace over top of it, this is called the pro armor. So the skate lace adds a little bit more project, uh, protection in terms of uh, for the bungee against skate cuts and things like that. You know, if people are walking around the change room and somebody happens to step on your bungee, it's always been a bit of an issue. Um, so again, a little bit of extra protection there in a both senior and junior as well. Some good give to these guys as well. Um, again, another okay. great option for you to toss under your pants. Okay, so the one question I have is, where does this fit on the scale of that give and that flexibility? Uh, and I would, you know, top of my head, I would probably put that scale from Bauer and Brian's where there's a lot of give. And at the other end, CCM, I know in some of our testing with their stock one, some people feel like there's not enough elasticity. It's really hard to find that fine line because length affects that. Whether you put a knot in there to give yourself Correct. a built-in gap affects that. Like this to me feels like it might lean a little more towards the CCM scale in terms of how much. Now this is the patented in goal slash hockey shop bungee scale. We're going to call that a name now. Um, and I would agree with you again, Bauer and Brian's being kind of a, a more on that last thick side. Uh, I would find these actually both fall somewhere in the middle. Um, even on both of them, they have about the same resistance regardless of the pro armor versus uh, the standard bungee right there. Um, I wouldn't say that they're as resistant as aid, for example, the CCM ones that were coming stock, but uh, they don't have as much give as the Bauer or Brian's either. So like I said, they do fall somewhere in the middle. Nice thing is having that little toe class does create a little bit of a natural gap for you already. Um, so there is a bit of an opportunity to, you know, again, still have a little bit more of that gap. You'd still weave it through your skate holder cowling, depending on what skate you have. Um, the same way you would some of the other standard bungees or even laces for that matter, depending on what you're still using. And then just Velcro right up on top on the laces. Well, and I will say this, uh, I do like the generous nature of the Velcro area. Um, Cause when we talk about that adjustability and flexibility in terms of, you know, being able to have different options and length being different, Obviously, this thing is going to pull a lot tighter if you're doing it like this atop your skate versus giving it a little more length by having it a little looser. So that'll affect that as well. So by having a nice big area and it looks like some nice stitching and seams through there that are going to maintain and not come apart on you, I think you've given yourself a little, at least a little more play as you try and get that set up perfectly for yourself. Now, there's an argument to be made. Toe box on post, good old fashioned skate laces and a gap. Elasticity, if I go to push and that elastic gives, I'm not getting that push. So that's a conversation we can have for another day. But this, for those that like the bungee setup, 
this looks like a pretty good option. And you can find it, of course, online at thehockeyshop.com. Or if you have any questions, if you can come and you can get in store and check them out in person, or if you have any questions about putting them on or how they're going to fit and feel, give Cam a shout at 604-589-1899 or 1-800-567-7790. Talk to you then. We're going to have to put that in like slow-mo voice because he spoke so fast. Hutch, you're on it. 1-800-567-7790. It's one of the great things about uh, Source for Sports uh, Surrey and uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, is just all those accessories. Uh, you heard about the wall, uh, whether it's a uh, woody size or hut size. Still pretty good. Hey, one one thing about uh, about the goal utopia downstairs. I'd love to see uh, put up a GoPro uh, camera and just have uh, have it up there and have the wall just focused on the wall and see how it changes over the course of like a week. Like what pads are up, what gloves are up, what uh, like just one of those do a little time lapse after Woody's been in the yeah. shop to see the gloves coming off and going yeah. back on. See how it changes, uh, what the inventory turnover is. You just want me to put up the camera, Yeah. do my usual thing. I'll just put it on the glove wall, try on all the gloves, leave them lying around, and let's see how long it takes Cam, poor bugger, to put them all back. Yeah, you, you, and you should also sign every glove that you, you put on, Woody endorsed. Well, I'll, ju- I'll just do KW, right. my initials. Yeah. Everybody, every, every, everybody will think it's a National Hockey League approved mitt. That is awesome. Uh, I love that. Uh, somebody that's uh, that probably has their KW gear right now, but isn't in the National Hockey League is Devin Dubnik. Uh, we know uh, about his career and uh, some of the twists and turns. And last year was just almost as eventful as that uh, crazy year that uh, that eventually led to uh, one of the best turnarounds uh, in National Hockey League history when he landed um, uh, with, uh, with the Minnesota Wild after finding his stride in Arizona Coyotes. But but now he's he's on the sidelines and he's looking for work, but taking an opportunity to reconnect with his family. And it's all part of our Sense Arena feature interview. Sense Arena continues to uh, serve up some options to get your game ready when you don't have ice available, Hutch. Sure do. Wasn't it exciting or intriguing to hear that Doobie's going to be working with Sense Arena to help himself mm-hmm. get ready for the first opportunity that comes up for him? I wonder... Uh, maybe Kevin, there's a way we could slip him my login information for Sense Arena so that Doobie. Oh no, could, no, uh, no, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, I want Doobie to step in there for me to be part of the Global Hockey Skills Tour. Sense Arena is running this awesome competition. It takes place over five months, October through February, where you jump in there. You get a number of drills throughout the month to practice, and then end of the month, it's competition time, and your scores get taken. And they're going to be having a leaderboard that's uh, posted all the time, prizes throughout the five-month period, each of those months sponsored by a different city around the world. And then finally, it's going to come to a showdown in March for an overall champion. And, uh, and those lucky people will get an opportunity to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I say people because, guys, one of the big uh, changes this year for Sense Arena was the releasing of the players' version as well. So. I know it's an all-goalie audience uh, listening to this, but we also know it happens uh, quite often in the car on the way to rinks, and mom and dad might have been players and not goaltenders. Your account with Sense Arena comes with two licenses, so uh, even though uh, little Johnny or little Jilly is practicing on the goalie version, mom and dad can hop on as a, as a player as well. 
you can there's a competition for the players there's a competition for the goaltenders uh this is we all know is a game-changing tool and and i just think the opportunity to jump in and be part of this uh this competition throughout the hockey season is just you know raising it to a whole new level it's not just a training tool at home it's something you can get competitive with with uh, people all around the world guys and within the end goal well we keep threatening that yeah we keep threatening that i'm doing my part are are you in are you gonna you're gonna post a score for the competition darren yes and it's terrible but I'll still post I mean, it. I, th- I think I'm going to go the Hutch route here. Now that we've got American Hockey League teams in town, I'm going to see a couple of the guys this weekend coming into town. Um, you know, maybe I just happen to, when I say to them, hey, you guys want to check this out, do a little demo? Like, you know, just in case you're interested in trying it yourself, I want to give you that opportunity. Here, put this on. Don't worry that it's login under Woody. Oh, competition? Ignore it. Just go ahead, do your yeah. reps. It'll be okay. If you do that, if you're anywhere near the top, consider the protest filed. Right, dude. Now. If I'm not at the bottom, if, if I'm not at the bottom, you know I cheated. One thousand seventy-six, Woody. One thousand seventy-nine, Millard. Hutch, twenty-fifth. Yeah, it's only because Maddie's doing it, not me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we appreciate his skills. We love his <laughs> skills. It's just uh, that he he is not qualified for this because he's about forty years too. Too young. Uh, so Dubnik, uh, you connected with him. Uh, this is uh, this is a fun conversation, but it's also part of an update into where where he is. Yeah, a little bit. Like uh, you know, I'd be honest. Um, you know, we know there were family situations a couple of years ago that forced him to take some time away from the Minnesota Wild, and so when I hadn't seen him sign, I kind of wondered if maybe there was something going on, and kind of to be honest, didn't reach out for a long time because I didn't want to interrupt anything. When I reached out, he's like, no, just. He, he's looking to play and the offers weren't there. You, you'll hear him talk about the family situation that there weren't any that sort of made sense to him. And, and that is a priority, but um, you'll see, you'll hear that he's very content where he is. You'll hear it in the interview and in his voice and in the way he talks about his situation right now. But um, don't get him wrong here. Like there's a, he misses the guys and he'd still love to be a part of something uh, if it's the right opportunity and, and if it's a fit. And I still think that, you know, he's still a guy that could give a team something um, you know, we saw, you saw that turnaround. He's going to talk a little bit about how he's gone from zero to 100 before, um, you know, being off for a long time and then right into action. He's doing the things he needs to do. He's a longtime Adam Francilia client. So he's doing the things he needs to do off the ice to make sure he's ready to play. Uh, and like I said, now going to give Sense Arena a try because there aren't any skates he can go to locally. Um, but he now will be able to sort of track some pucks and keep on top of that as well. So uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation. And then once we got through that, some really fun stories, like make sure you stick around. His his stories about being 15 oh, in yeah. the WHL and bro- line brawls and the ECHL stories when he first got sent down as a yeah. rookie, uh, you know, as a first round pick, there are some beauties in here, as well as some great tips and advice about goalie parenting and about, being a young goalie, sort of managing different stages and different points of your career, and some depth advice on how to know where to be in your career. So it's loaded. There's, there's a long one, but stick around to the end because it's worth it. I talked to Derek England, a National Hockey League defenseman uh, for Calgary and Pittsburgh and, and, and Vegas. Uh, he told me an ECHL story yesterday that I couldn't believe about tryouts. And then I hear this Devin Dubnik tale uh, about camp. I mean, and they weren't at the same same camp, but equally bizarre, cool 
never would believe it if it wasn't uh, those two guys telling the story. Uh, so, yeah, you got to stick around for that. It's the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR with Devin Dubnik, 253 wins in the National Hockey League and guest for the first, second time on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Really happy to be joined on the In Goal Radio podcast by Devin Dubnik. Dubi, like, I can't believe we're 140 episodes deep here. And given all the conversations that you and I have had over the years, how have we not had you on as a guest? And I guess one of the things in terms of it's been far too long, A, but also like just reached out because I wanted to catch up. Um, What's going on? Because I kind of thought we'd, you know, we'd see you playing by now. Are you still looking to play? um what's like where are you at right now yeah just uh just staying in minnesota right now with the family and uh boys are back in school um certainly expected to be playing this year but uh not not how it's shooken out so far um yeah just kind of enjoying time with the kids and in the family obviously last year was tough so um you know getting a, getting some extra time here with the kids and, and my wife is certainly not a bad thing but um you know, especially once uh, once training camps and the season got going, definitely got to starting to get the itch a little bit. So, um, you know, it's the way it is. I understand how the game goes, but, uh, you know, not shutting the door on it just yet. Just kind of staying in shape and keeping uh, eyes and ears open, and we'll see what happens. Like, you good, good either way, to be honest. But, uh, you know, once, once I started seeing the hockey on TV, it certainly made me miss the boys and miss being in there. 12 seasons in the National Hockey League. I, you, you mentioned, like, like I know last year was tough, you know, between San Jose and Colorado and the fact the Sharks started in Arizona because they couldn't play in their own building and all the protocols and all those things. Like, you barely saw your family at all. Was that a, a factor in sort of the decision this year or will be a factor if opportunities present themselves in terms of being able to stay close to them as well? I think it has to be. Um, you know, I don't even know if I could have done last year uh, you know, talking to the guys in Colorado when I was there, you know, some of the guys are saying, like, I don't even, I, you know, the guys with kids, there wasn't a ton of guys with kids there, but a couple of guys that had them kind of said, you know, I don't even know how you, how you did this. And I, I said, I, I don't, to be honest, if you would have told me uh, before I went that I was going to see my, my wife and my kids for 16 days total from December 26th to June 16th or whatever it was, I don't, I don't know if I would have said yes. So it just kind of played out the way it did. Um, they fully planned on coming to San Jose. We had school, we had schools lined up for the kids. We got a rented a house there, um, you know, fit for everybody. And, and then, you know, starting the, we started camp in Arizona, started 12 of our first 14 on the road. Didn't really have a, a definite uh, time frame going back to San Jose. So by the time we went back, we were into February, and at that point, being a shortened season, it was you know we we talked for a long time about you know, at this point do we do we pull the kids out of school and drag them here for you know it's pretty disruptive for them, um, you know especially with the condensed schedule and how much we were playing. We chose not to, and they made a couple trips to to San Jose, uh, and then I got traded to Colorado, and they, they actually we had a trip 
fully planned, ready to go. Because I, I mean, with how good that team was, I thought we were going the, going the, the long road. So we had a trip planned for the family there um, that we had to cancel because we unfortunately we lost out. But uh, yeah, it was tough. So I, you know, I don't know. I just I, I said to my wife, I'm just I'm not doing that again. So. I don't think we have to. I think things have changed, and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities that, that could come up that wouldn't necessarily be that way, but I can I can tell you for, for certain that I would not do that again. Like you said, things are different now. Those those types of opportunities um, would be different, like in terms of the conditions you'd be playing in. So staying in shape, um, kept focusing and working on your game this summer. Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously haven't been skating a ton at all <laughs> you know since everybody beetle off the camp there's not really uh much skating to be had um you know just just working out and uh off ice and staying in shape and uh to be completely honest enjoying this some pretty incredible weather uh in october in minnesota so i've been getting on the golf course as much as i can i don't uh, get an opportunity to, to uh enjoy fall golf uh this is my first year and since i started playing pro to enjoy fall golf so um, certainly enjoyed that, but yeah, just, just working out off ice, you know, you don't, uh, you don't forget how to play the game. So I'm, uh, I'm not concerned about, you know, hopping on the ice if need be and, and, uh, getting back in the mix. I mean, you essentially do that every summer. It doesn't take long for it to come back. So, uh, definitely not worried about the on ice stuff, um, as much being off and just yeah, making sure I'm, I'm still staying in shape and moving and just in case, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I was going to say, so how, like, what is the focus? And there's probably some things that young kids could take out of this. Um, there's been a lot of people and there probably are still some people out there that can't play kids that haven't been able to get back into the regular rhythm of things just because of you know, how strange the past two years have been. What is the focus off the ice for you to sort of um, try and maintain that level of fitness? Where does, where, you know, where do you, how do you do that? How do you sort of stay ready to play when you're when you're not able to get on the ice or don't have the opportunities to get on the ice? Uh, well, I mean, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, not not in there doing crazy stuff that, that you do, you know, ramping up for a camp. But um, you know, being cardio wise, never been an issue for me. So it's just, especially getting older um, and being a goalie, one thing you're always always concentrating on is just keeping keeping the mobility, um, keeping the body moving. I've been, I've been very fortunate, knocking wood to, to have been healthy and mobile, um, without injury throughout my career. So that's kind of just staying on that track of, of, uh, you know, keeping the, the hips strong and, and mobile, you know, stretching through strength, through mobility and, and just making sure that, uh, you know, kind of continuing on that route. It's, uh, you know, I've never been a, a super flexible guy, but I've been, like I said, fortunately healthy. So that's kind of the, the one thing you can you can control and stay focused on. And like I said, it's it's kind of all you can do right now. I'm not uh, I'm not going to sit there and stare at the roof, going to sleep at night and worry about it. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm enjoying the time with the kids. But um, you know, obviously, you just want to be uh, prepared if uh, if an opportunity shows up. Well, I was going to say, it's not like you haven't done this before in terms of long stretches, go out and play and have success. I think back to, you know, I think during the lockout year and you took an invitation to the Spangler Cup, like how long had you been off the ice at that point? 
and you go out there against a whole bunch of NHLers in that tournament and come away with a gold medal. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting one for sure because uh, you know I remember going into the tournament. Um, I played it uh, when I was twenty. I got an invite when I was twenty years old. Um, funny story because that's essentially how it was the first time my my wife and I got to re- really got to know each other because I was a twenty year old kid and asked to uh, asked my girlfriend at the time if she'd go to Switzerland with me for Christmas, which was a tricky question to ask her mom. That's a big one. Um, yeah, I hadn't known her for very long. She said sure, and and we went along. And I mean, it was like the, it was the coolest experience. I mean, Stanley Cup it, it obviously gets no coverage um, here, which I mean, it gets a little bit of coverage, but time zones and whatnot. One of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life, and and I just remember being, you know, when I when when the lockout was going on, and and. Um, uh, I believe it was Brad Pascal at the time was with Calgary. Now he had called me and, and kind of mentioned that possibility of me going. And I just was like, it just got so excited because it was just such a Davos is just the coolest place in the world, middle of the mountains in Switzerland. I mean, I, I can't even describe it. It's just such an amazing uh, place and experience and tournament. Um, and to get this opportunity again, I was pretty excited. Unfortunately, my wife at the time was, was uh, pregnant. And so she she wasn't feeling very good. So my brother, they they said that they wanted to invite me to go, and I was wasn't about to turn it down. So my brother came with me, which is again was a you know once in a lifetime experience for my brother to be able to come. And so we flew over to Switzerland. I hadn't played a game since May. I want to say May like second at the World Championships, and it might have been against like Kazakhstan or something too. It wasn't a wasn't uh, I was certainly hadn't seen a lot of shots in that game. <laughs> it was an eight nothing shutout. I just looked it up as you were talking. There you go. I got the I got the goalie curse. I could probably yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it been a while, and uh, I went over with no expectations. I was just happy to be there um, to go through the experience, to be able to bring my brother there. I was super excited, having been through it before, and uh, it was funny because um, coach said to me. Uh, we played the first game. Uh, Jonathan Bernier was the other goalie there, and he'd been playing, uh, I think, in in the uh, Div Two league in Germany, because it was tricky over there with the uh, with the import rules. You know, not a lot of teams were looking to bring import goalies in because everybody kind of assumed the lockout was going to end partway through the year, so they didn't want to be bringing import cards on goalies. So Bernier had been over there, but he'd been playing games. So they kind of told me that they'd slated him as the starter because he'd been playing. And I, I said, look, all good. Short tournament. I think it's a four-game tournament if you if you win and go to the final. So I was like, I got no expectations. I'm happy to go with my brother. It's going to be a great experience. So we ended up losing the first game in, in uh, overtime. And the coach asked me if I was if I would like to play the second game against Davos. And I said, sure. And uh, it was funny because he's like, you know, you, you know, I just want you to know, like they got some, they got some big boys. You know, they got Joe Thornton and Patrick Kane. I think Louis Erickson was there. You know, you, you, you think you can do this? And I was like, Coach, I, I play against these guys. <laughs> I played against them for a while, but remember, my last game was at the World Championship. So yes, <laughs> I play against these guys. So yes, it's okay, I'll figure it out. I realize it's been a long time. I'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, it's that's the thing. You just it's it's a little bit uncomfortable for 
five or ten minutes, but you play that many games and it just it, it doesn't take long. You get hit by a few pucks and, and you take a second to look around some bodies and you're like, oh, I remember how to do this. And like riding a bike. Yeah, it just it, it comes. It really doesn't take long. So you know that part of it, I'm not concerned about. Um, and again, I'm re- I'm not concerned at all. Really, it's I'm 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 in a good place. I'm happy. Uh, I'd love to play, but I'm enjoying the time with the family, and it's all good. I like texting with the the guys I used to play with and seeing how they're doing. Kind of where we're at. Well, hey, so like on that note of ter- in terms of being able to you know come in cold and after a long time off and it is like riding a bike and do you think like your your style of play the way you play the game lends itself to that maybe more so than a guy not that not that the the like we're not in the martin burder era nobody's coming four feet out of their crease and retreating with the play like they used to but you, you play a little more stationary a little deeper a little more point to point do you think that lends itself to you know, sort of getting back up to speed really quick compared to, say, maybe a guy who plays a lot of backwards flow and rhythm and timing reliant? Uh, potentially, uh, maybe. I, I couldn't tell you one <laughs> where you'd have, to, you'd have to ask a guy who plays the other way because I've only, I've only played this way. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, timing is everything, obviously, when you're playing. So, uh, but I mean, you know, these, some of these guys are so talented. I don't... I don't you know, if, it, if it can come back for me, it can come back for them as well. But, um, you know, even on that note, just thinking, you know, even this this past year, how messed up it was. I mean, I got to Colorado and played two games and then came back and Gruby, had, Gruby was out. Uh, he had tested positive for COVID, so he was out. So I thought I was going to, I, I, we had seven games in line that I was going to get to start. And, and then we ended up getting shut down. We were shut down for seven straight days. So we, we weren't even skating. Like we were just off the ice for seven straight days and then got on a plane and went, or we practiced, got on a plane and went to St. Louis and played the next day after seven days off the ice and we won the game. It's just like, like I said, it's, it's one of those things you don't, you don't forget how to do it. It's just, you know, making sure that, that your body's comfortable with moving around and your brain's not going to forget what's going on. Well, okay. So speaking of not forgetting how to do it, I want to go, I want to rewind this a little bit and get a little bit of the backstory for our audience. How'd you start? Like where the, the desire to do it, where did that come from for Devin Dubnik? How'd you become a goaltender? Well, it's funny. Uh, you know, my dad played goal uh, up into junior A, I believe in Alberta. And, and um, he played for uh, Crow's Nest Pass, Red Devils. And uh, I believe was his highest uh, team that he played on, but that was never my motivation. I mean, I loved that he played. I thought it was super cool. You know, we had the fiberglass masks and we were playing street hockey and we had his old, old brown leather pads for horse hair pads or whatever they were. And like we had, you know, he had his, all his old gear that we'd wear in street hockey. And I thought it was cool, but that was never my motivation. Um, for whatever reason, I couldn't really tell you. I had a buddy, uh, that I was really close with that played a lot of goalie on the team that I was in the, the one season that I was just good friends with. And I thought it was cool that he, he was a good little goalie. And uh, I I wanted to try it. I just, uh, out of nowhere, I just told my dad one summer that I wanted to be a goalie next year. And he looked at me and said, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and so I worked on him for a while. Um for a long while, actually, he was not not having it. How old would you have been then? Um, uh, I would have been like gosh, eight or nine. 
I'd have to confirm with him, but it would have been, it would have been around the eight or nine. Cause I want to say I was 10 when I started like, like full time being a goalie. Okay. So it took you a couple of years of working on him. I think it was, no, I think it was, it must've, I must've been nine. Um, cause I think it was my first full time year was 10, but it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. So I worked on him, worked on him, worked on him. And he said, fine, we'll, we'll go half and half. Worked on him, worked on him, worked on him some more. And he said, okay, we'll go three out of every four. So <laughs> that was what we agreed on. Um, and I ended up playing every single game that year except for one. Do you and remember? I, I, was ter- I was terrible when I started. Okay. And, you know, talking to my dad, he said, the reason he let me keep going was I, I improved very quickly. Um, you know, when I first got in there, like I said, I, I don't know why I wanted to play. I just... I don't know if I liked the equipment or what it was, but I mean, when I first started, I was terrible and he was not overly excited, obviously that, that I was hell bent on playing goal when I looked like that in there. Uh, but he said, you know, over two, three, four months, the improvement was exponential. So he let me keep going and, and I kind of took off and, and uh, never looked back. I just loved it. I love everything about it. Love, love the equipment. You know, the math, I mean, it's, you know, it's, a lot of kids are fascinated with the gear and stuff. And that was certainly one of those kids, but I was fortunate to fall in love with it and then be able to have my dad. I mean, my dad coached me throughout my whole minor hockey. Um, and we always joke about when, you know, the, the crossing over point of, of when I began to know more about goaltending than he did, um, which was probably a little bit before he let it go, but <laughs> it was you know, it was, it was, it was just a very cool experience to be able to, to have him coach me and, and be able to show me things. You know, we laugh about, God, we were doing, uh, skate save drills when I was, you know, 10 or 11 years old or we practicing doing skate save. I, some of the old, uh, VHS tapes that we watched are hilarious. Thinking back oh. on them, some of the stuff they were showing, but yeah, just, just fell in love with it and, and took off and never, you know, it was cool. I never, I always tell the story. I never really, never really, uh, realized, you know, this, not, not to sound cocky, but never really realized how good I was until I got drafted to the WHL because I didn't, uh, I think I was a second goalie taken maybe first or second goalie, uh, in the WHL draft. And I remember my dad, I was so young. I mean, was, you're 14 years old. And I looked at the, I was in Calgary and the hitmen were there. And, and I like, I looked at those guys like NHL players, you know, they're out there, big boys. They got the half visors on. I've been to Calgary hitmen games. My dad took me for a walk the one day and we were walking out and he kind of explained to me that there's a draft coming up. This was probably two weeks before, maybe, maybe a month before. And, he explained to me that there's a draft coming up and there's a chance that I'm going to get taken in this WHL draft. And I was like, mind blown. I'm like, WHL draft? Are you serious? Like, I'm a kid. These guys are men. And I, I, like, I thought it was crazy that, you know, teams would be picking me at that age, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for the WHL, which I almost looked at as like the NHL. And then... You know, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, I started getting calls and doing interviews with teams. Then again, still, I don't know if they were, if my parents knew and they were 
not telling me or if they didn't know either. But sure enough, um, I re- I'll never forget this. My the WHL draft was on a school day, and I was at uh, high jump practice after school at my junior high school. And uh, which the only reason I was good at high jump is because I was tall. <laughs> so I, I, I had I had an early advantage to get over the bar, and that was about it because I've never been a real jumper. Um, and I, I remember my mom picking me up from school in a minivan, and there was a there was a uh, homemade printer paper sign on the windshield that said "Go Blazers, go." When I opened the door, and I I I didn't even know who the Blazers were to be honest. I remember interviewing with Camus. I didn't didn't like put two and two together, but I mean that was the first time I ever knew I was like good, you know, outside of my community. I knew I was, you know, one of the best goalie in my community, but that was pretty much it until that point. Is there a benefit there, like looking back on it, to sort of having that naivety or that little bit of ignorance to what everyone else was looking for? Like I, I imagine you were just out there playing, like. We taught, we hear kids, you know, for sure, thinking about the pressures of the Bantam draft and where am I going to go and, you know, what scouts at what game. It sounds like you were kind of happily oblivious to it all. I was, I was very happily oblivious to it. I mean, you know, I knew it was there, but not, not to the extent that it probably was. And, you know, unfortunately now it's, it's never going to happen, you know, the the way that the world is and, um, you know, you get social media and everything, obviously there's just, I mean, there's no way around it. The, the pressure is, there's, there's more pressure because, you know, everybody knows everything and every, everything's reported and in real time instantaneously. And, you know, you're never going to get that. And, and, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I always love, I always love talking to my dad about that, especially with my kids growing up. Um, you know, talking to him about, cause he, my dad was hard on me, but he's, he was so fair. And I always look back on that and just appreciate that he was, he pushed me very hard, but he was very fair. And, you know, I always ask him, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know what's too much? What's right? And he kind of always says to me, you don't really, you just, you just do it. And, you know, you, you got to make sure that, uh, that, they're having fun, but you got to push them at the same time, but not, not too much. You know, you can't push them to the point where they don't want to play anymore. Right. And especially with as much hockey as, as they can play nowadays at a young age, you can hit that point probably a lot easier. I was going to ask you yeah. what the car, car rides were like with your dad. We've had, we oh. had Brian Decord on recently. He's written a book on, about being a goaltending parent specifically with his son, Joey playing uh, in the NHL and his other son, Alex playing NCAA. Like, what were your car rides like home after after a game with your dad, who was your your goalie coach and your coach? Oh, I think my dad's probably going to be mad at me for this. Maybe not. he might laugh at it, but um, again, very fair. So my dad, the biggest thing with my dad was, as long as I worked hard, he'd never be mad at me for anything. You know, any goals that went in. You know, he never he'd never be mad at me for getting scored on. The only thing. And he would ever get mad at me is if I was being lazy. I wasn't if I wasn't playing with intensity, and if I was being lazy, that's the only thing he'd get mad at me for. I could let in ten if I was working. He was good, and I'll never forget. <laughs> this is the one that he'll probably get mad at me for. But 
keep in mind the arena was very close to my house, so this this is going to sound worse than it was. But uh, we had a game, and uh, and again, you know, probably probably had six neighbors that were at this game. So keep that in mind. This was going to sound worse than it was, but um, <laughs> we had a game, and I was being pretty lazy in the game. Couldn't tell you why. It was a long time ago. I wasn't working super hard, and I let in a, a real crappy goal tie the game. We ended up tying the game three three, and it was a it was like a point shot went off the back wall, and I was slow getting up, and it went off the back of my leg and in the net. I was just I was I, I was being lazy, and uh, <laughs> so I come out. So I go in and I'm like, I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed off, but again, I don't, I don't know what kind of mood I was in for whatever reason, but. I wasn't that pissed off. We tied the game, whatever. And uh, I come out into the lobby and I'm uh, looking around. Nobody's there. So I'm <laughs> I think... like, that's kind of weird. Like he's, he's always there. And I'm looking around and, uh, and one of my buddy's dads comes up and says, uh, hey, uh, you're, <laughs> you're going to hop in with us. Your dad said that you can find your own ride home. So I got to get a ride home with my buddy. <laughs> she just uh, left. Oh, well, I thought he might have made you walk. I could have. It wasn't that far away, but just <laughs> just, uh, just walked into the <laughs> into the lobby and nobody was there. And uh, my, I remember my dad's buddy was kind of like a little bit awkward about it. Uh, hey, uh, you ride with us. Your dad just left and said you can find your own ride home. What was that conversation like when you got home? Oh, I don't know if we had a conversation for a day or so after I got home. But did you know right away? Like you talked, you, you said you, you knew what, you knew exactly why. Oh, I knew exactly what it was. That's the thing. He was so, he was, he was very fair. So he never did anything like that unless, you know, it wasn't, I, I figured it out real quick. And uh, I remember too, when I was um, kind of getting into junior high school and, Starting to hang out with girls, and obviously a lot of different distractions start to show up. And I remember one night, I this is well before cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone until I was nineteen, so I was ended up staying out. And we were still in the neighborhood, so we weren't far away. But I mean, I I I didn't think it was a big deal then. But now that I have kids, I look back. I'm like, oh my god, I'm losing my mind. So you know, we were hanging out with a group of us, and you know, a couple blocks away and we we were well past when we were supposed to be home. Well, back then there's no, there's no cell phones there's no nothing. Like you just, your kid's gone. So I got home probably a solid hour after I was supposed to be home and I get home and my mom was pissed and she's like, your dad's out looking for you right now. Like, well, well why would you be doing that? Like, well, you're supposed to be home an hour ago. Like, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, pitch black outside. <laughs> Probably a little worried about me. And um, she goes, "I suggest you go to bed before he gets home." I'm like, sounds good. So I go to bed, and I had a, a summer hockey team tryout the next day. And this is how I, this is when the, the only way I knew my dad was like really pissed at me is my mom came in in the morning when it was time to get up and go. And she said, your dad's not taking you to tryouts today. I'm going to drive you. And that was like, holy crap. I screwed up. 
it was but like, like you knew never, never never do that again that was that was like that moment i was like wow uh, that was like i i really messed up because it took a lot for that to happen and then we laugh now talking to my parents about that because we talk about that time and my poor mom had to just beg him to not take me to send the message and he he did he hated it. he wanted to take me so bad even even though he was mad at me but he just wanted to take me so bad and she was like you have to you got to do this so that he knows and it just killed him to not take me but because uh. i knew when he didn't take when he didn't drive me to that tryout i was like I didn't even know what to think. Thought the world was over. The world would have changed for you. Would have expanded big time. You talk about not even knowing much about Kamloops as a hockey team. Boom! You're a young guy and you're playing in the WHO. What was that transition like? And when did you get into the oh. first time where you're working with somebody else as your goalie coach, and as opposed to your dad? What was that process like? Was that the first time? Well, I hate to, to throw anyone under the bus, but there were no goalie coaches in Kamloops when I. Came in there, so okay. So and you know what? Back then, yeah, I was gonna say back then they were there. Yeah, there was hardly any. They were just starting in the NHL. There were a lot of them were a lot of teams still didn't have them. Most of them were part time, if if any. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. We did not have a goalie coach in Kamloops when I came in. So, um, you know, it's fun though. Like my dad, like I said, at that point, we'd gotten past the point where he recognized that. You know, I I knew more about the position than he did, um, but he's still a huge support for me, and and also still, I mean, a lot of things that he taught me didn't necessarily have to do with goaltending. Like I said, with you know being well, and he taught me angles, taught me you know playing out of my crease, which obviously as I got older pulled back. But when I was a younger kid, I played a lot further out. Just work ethic and intensity, but. And those are things that he can continue to teach me. It has nothing to do with goaltending work. And so he was always there for me. Um, gosh, my first, my first WHL experience. Um, I got, they had an injury. So I got called up. I flew to Portland and we and that, that game happened to be that, that once in a while they play in the Rose garden which is where the trailblazers play. Yep. And yeah. And then a lot of times they'd play in the old, I'm not sure what the building's called. Cause I, I actually was lucky my entire career. I think I only played in the old building once my whole career. My first game I get called up for fly in day of come in, you know, pop in this dressing room with a bunch of grown men. As a 15 year old, I was like six, four, 150 pounds and get dressed and go out and we're in the rose garden there's like sixteen thousand people there and i'm like i mean i wasn't even playing the game but i was just like what planet am i on right now so we play there i think we played maybe seattle and then i was out and then like a month later get a call uh goalie got hurt I think it was a high ankle sprain, actually. Davis Parley was the goalie's name. He was a 20-year-old. High ankle sprain, out for a long time. So I come in. Now, looking back on this as an organization, probably not the best position to put a 15-year-old goalie in, but 
I fly in from Calgary. Get, we're playing in Vancouver. I think it was Giants, uh, Vancouver Giants' first season that year. Get into Vancouver, get to the game late, and they tell me that I'm playing in the game. I'm starting. <laughs> I'm like late. Like I'm, I'm like pulling my bags into, into the Pacific Coliseum while guys are getting dressed for warm-up after getting off a plane. 15-year-old. So I wheel in, get dressed, get absolutely rinsed. I think we lost like seven to three. And I'm like, I mean, I was... shell shock in no, in no shape or form was I ready to play at that level coming from Bantam AAA in Calgary. And <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories, too, about that game. So right in the first period, one thing, my, you know, my dad played in the era where guys, a lot of slashing, a lot of fighting, a lot of stuff going on. So he used to always tell me, someone stands in front of you, give, him, give it to him with a stick. I was always good at that. So I remember the first period, guys standing in front of me. So I bury him with, in the back of the leg with my stick. This guy, this guy turns around and he's got a full beard, grown man, twenty-year-old <laughs> guy, full beard, grown man, and he goes, "Am I allowed to swear on this podcast?" I'm not sure. Well, we might have to beep I'll it out. We it. are we are family show. I'll keep it PG. I'll keep <laughs> okay. It PG. He goes, "If you touch me again, I will kill you." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, sir." Apologize. Won't happen again. <laughs> and I was like white as a ghost. So, so anyway, I get we get beat up in this game seven to three. Anyway, cut me off also if we need to shorten this up. But no, this is good. This is good. I'm loving this one. So, so and this is the, the best part too is my head coach, the Chamblers at this time is Dean Evison. currently the Minnesota Wild coach, currently the coach of the Wild. So. So we get on the bus, and I, I give Dino a hard time about this, or I did when he was a couple years ago. And uh, we get on the bus, and you know I'm a 15 year old kid. I'm used to riding home with my dad. And in junior, you know, you get you get beat up. You you get on the bus and you, you don't talk. Everyone puts their head down, and the bus is dark and quiet, and no one speaks because you just got beat up on. Well, I'm sitting there like I'm in the like I'm in the minivan with my dad on the way home. And I'm sitting beside beside the the other goalie, and I'm talking about the game. I'm like, "Oh man, I didn't see that pass coming. Uh, it was a good move on the breakaway." Uh, you know, I'm just talking like I'm riding home with my dad. And he's kind of sitting there. He's like, "Shh, man, shh, 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 quiet, dude, quiet, quiet." And all of a sudden, Dino, it's two seats in front, and he didn't know it was me. But he turns around, and it, again, I'll leave the uh, expletives out of it. But he goes, "Would you?" Sh- Shut up! And he was like two seats in front of me. Dino's, Dino's got a big voice on him too, so I quieted up pretty quick. Next night, we go to Seattle. I'm ready to quit playing goal at this point. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm never going to be able to play in this league. Too good. Can't do it. Sitting on the bench. 0-0 halfway through the game. Boom. Line brawl breaks out. Everyone's fighting. Again, I'm sitting there on the bench, like, what, what planet am I on? What's, what is happening out here? Everyone, every single player on the ice is fighting. And then the, then the goalies go, and the goalies meet at center ice, and they fight. And I'm just like, this is awesome. What is <laughs> happening right now? There's, 
every single piece of equipment's on the air. Everybody's fighting. I don't know what's going on. Never seen this in my life before. I'm watching this. So things end. Keep in mind at this point, I'm like ready to quit playing goal because I don't think I'm good enough for this league. And everyone's cleaning everything up and everyone's kind of off the ice and I'm sitting there still completely clueless looking around like, wow, that was really cool. Not, <laughs> You're in completely obli- completely oblivious to the fact that I have to play at this point. Yeah, like I did, did not clue in that because of the goalies fought that I'm playing. So I'm sitting there looking around. Wow, that was really neat. I can't believe everybody fought. That was really cool. And then everybody's off the ice. We still had no goalie. I'll never forget Dino looking down at the bench. Do it. What are you doing? Get on the ice. And then all of a sudden, it was like all of the blood out of my face. Oh, God. I got to go get back in there again. It is zero zero. So, I mean, fortunately, I think we, I think we went up five nothing before I touched the puck more than three times. So that was my first my first win in the WHL was the the line brawl. I hopped in halfway through the second. Wow, <laughs> wow! Five years later in the WHL, drafted in the first round by the Edmonton Oilers, um, starting the minors in the AHL. Like, what was what was like? I'm covering a big period of time here, Devin, but like throughout that like how'd you go yeah because i'm old that's why you're covering me we've only got so many hours on this podcast right um now that you now that you're now that you're 35 hey trust me man at 48 it it just it it doesn't get better um so what like just walk me through the development process though from that 15 year old kid who's like i can't play in this league and what you know what world am i on to you know first round draft pick like where what changed other than experience? Were, were were there technical elements? Was it just you know getting to learn the league and the game and comfort level? Um, what, like what was that learning curve and what was your growth curve like? And what were some of the biggest keys to it? I don't think a ton of technical stuff came until uh, I actually got to the NHL. Uh, actually working well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, Pete Peters Mike, was my was the goalie coach for the Oilers, and uh, he taught me some some like fundamentals that I've literally taken with me for my entire career. So I um, thank him for that, and and it was very basic. It was just the idea uh, of of your angles and allowing players to to basically move ahead of you. You know, let the play let the puck move ahead and then move, and don't be ahead of the puck because as soon as you get ahead. They fire back. You're screwed, um, which is a, a huge. You know, obviously, it's more complicated than that. But Pete Peters was. I mean, he just hammered that into me, and it was such a, a huge part of my career and, and the way that I played. Um, but technically wise, I didn't get into really anything until I was with Freddie Shabbat in Edmonton, uh, who's with Minnesota now. Yeah, like I said small world. Yeah. Um, it was funny, you know. I, I always, I was always confident. Um, you know, I played one more game. You can only play five games in the WHL, so I played one more game in Red Deer, and you know, things were progressing in the right direction. It was good. And then going in as a 16 year old, I knew I was going to be there. And actually, I think I played 27 games or something like that as a 16 year old, which is 26. Yeah, for yep. yeah, for for being a 16 year old, it was quite a few games. I'd, and it was like, I was, I was confident. Um, 
again, it was kind of like I didn't really know. And then, and then going into my 17-year-old year, that's when you start to hear, you know, you start to hear about the NHL draft and, you're, you know, you're a high pick and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you have the, the under-18s, um, you know, playing a couple under-18s and, and one, went, one went not very good, one went very good. Um, and, you know, then you get drafted and you go through all these things, right? It's like you get drafted and you think – you think you made it? The guy. I mean, I went 14th overall. That's not a small feat. It's pretty cool. Big deal. First round, 14th overall. I'm like, I mean, I remember thinking, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing like 14th overall. I'm gonna play for sure. Rob. And then you kind of go along, and there's a certain. Uh, it's being a little bit naive to how hard it is to get there was a good thing. Everybody right. should be. But then, you know, it was crazy when, when you look back on the development side of it, you know, my first year. So when I was 20, when I was when I knew I was going to play pro, Edmonton didn't have an American League team. And so it was, it was funny, again, because I had a, a – Fantastic camp. It was my best camp I'd had. I mean, I guess I've only had a couple camps, but it was a good one. Um, got to play a couple preseason games, but in Edmonton was kind of looking for, you know, goaltending is tricky. They were sharing teams. They were with Wilkes Bar, Wilkesbury, and um, they were sharing a little bit with Iowa as well, which was Dallas at the time. Uh, so easier to share players, but when they were looking to place me somewhere, like everybody, everybody has like a stud goalie prospect. So yeah, they were kind of thinking like, do we want to plug this guy behind on someone else's team behind their prospect? Cause everyone's got a good, good third guy that's a prospect or do we put him in the coast? So they hadn't decided they'd, they'd kind of been talking. So I actually stayed uh, with the team all the way through preseason up until like two days before the season started. I was with Edmonton as a 20-year-old. And <laughs> the funny thing was, is I, so when they decided to, they were going to send me to Stockton to play in the coast. Well, East Coast League camp didn't start until for like three weeks after that, because they start late. So I went from like this super intense, feeling awesome about myself, playing NHL preseason games. I went home to my house in Calgary and lived with my parents for three weeks doing nothing. <laughs> and then just flew to Stockton, California, and hopped into camp. It was it was like a crazy... Seems a little less than ideal. Yeah, I, guess I, I literally went home and hung out with all my friends for three weeks doing nothing. I mean, I, I, was, I was like training with my trainer there. Right. But like, you you know, you go for a couple hours in the morning and then like I was just hanging out. Well, okay. So I was just going to say, but then you got to Stockton and posted a 921. So another example of if the right opportunity comes around this season, you can go from zero to a hundred like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's changed, but it was like, I mean, even the Stockton training camp, like the East, it was their second year in the league. And it was essentially an open camp. So if you if if you played like any sort of competitive hockey, you were like allowed to show up for this training camp. So again, I, I went from playing 
Yeah, actually, my last the last preseason game was against Calgary in Calgary, and I just stayed there. I went from playing against Calgary Flames to being in an ECHL camp with basically anybody that felt like trying out. Come one, come all. So it was a it was a unique experience. I had a I had a had a kid there. I think he played it at uh, University of California, um, which obviously is, I, don't, I don't believe. I hope I don't offend anybody. I don't think it's a big hockey program. I th- I think you're safe. I think you're safe, especially in 2000 yep. or 2006. Um, yeah, I was safe. So he says to me, he goes, "Hey, uh, you want to you want to pop over after practice? I'll fire some pucks on you." So I'm like in my head, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." He, you know, he wants to run some drills. I'd gladly hop in there and let him, you know, do what he wants to do, be the goalie. And so he he lines up ten pucks top of the circle in the slot. And I'm like, okay. So I get in there and he shoots ten pucks on me. And he goes, All right, man, thank you. Cool. I just want to tell my buddies I shot on you. <laughs> and I was like, What? <laughs> like, we're in the same training camp, dude. What are you, are you serious? No, like dead serious. All right, cool. Thanks, man. I just want to tell my buddies I shot on you. I did not see that one coming. I didn't know where that one was going, but I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Oh, no, hey, let I me didn't ha- see that one coming either. <laughs> I'm guessing not. Let me ask you one, like through all this, because we're in an era now where teams chase size uh, in net almost to the point where, you know, like, yeah, it's funny you talk about Jonathan Bernier, right? Like he's had a pretty darn good career. And we've had this conversation yeah, with him. I, I don't even think he gets drafted now at, at 5'11". But back then, they weren't necessarily. Not, not the way they are now. Like, were there times along your path where you had to learn yourself to play with your size um, and, and how to manage that? And were there any times where anybody brought it up to you as potentially a negative? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a negative, but I think that, you know, the biggest thing I learned along the way was size is you know it's yeah absolutely i'm a big boy uh it's an advantage if you if you let it be an advantage it's not going to stop the puck for you right but if you can if you can be you know it's just the way it is if you if you can be the same if you have a six foot six goalie that's the exact same capability as a five foot ten goalie the six foot six goalie has an advantage of course he does yeah square footage right and if, as long as they have the same capability, but you, you have to work and make sure you have the same capability because you can't just be like, Oh, I'm big. I'm, I'm going to stop the puck. I'm better. You have to make it your advantage. And if you are able to skate and move and, you know, all of these things, then it becomes an advantage. If you just think that you're going to hang in there and be big. No. Especially now, the game's way too good. But if you can, if you can work on all the other stuff to make it an advantage, then it is. I mean, look at Vasilevsky. I mean, come on, it's not fair. Yeah, he moves. It's, uh, not, it's not fair. He moves like a gymnast, and he's six foot four. Yeah, I thought he was taller, but still, I mean, that's yeah, it's not fair. And there's a reason why he's done what he's done doing what he's doing it because he's a perfect example that that size and that height becomes an advantage because 
I mean, the guy can move better than anybody else. How did you, what about for you? Like how, what did you have to learn to make sure you were using it as an advantage? There's probably a lot of big young goalies listening to this right now. What piece of advice for, you know, some 60, well, 16, 17, 18 year old who's six foot six, um, who's trying to, you know, sort of learn how to manage his size right about now. So, I mean, one thing for me, well, first of all, skating, you gotta, you gotta be able to skate. You gotta keep up with your mobility and your, and your, footwork and you'll be able to, your ability to move uh and then also understanding that being a bigger guy you'll have to play way out of your net you got to find that that sweet spot um you don't you don't have to play in a goal line either right but you don't you don't have to play out so having that size will allow you to have to get side to side quicker because you don't necessarily need to be as far out in the crease cover all the net so it doesn't necessarily mean you're quicker side to side but you got less space shorter going side to side because you're able to play where you can play so it's just it's finding that sweet spot where you're comfortable being um and then again you gotta you gotta keep up you can't you can't just assume that because you're a big boy that you're gonna be better at stopping pucks than everybody else it's not how it works shooters are too good but, uh, you know, even talking about that, I think one thing with me that, that young goalies need to really understand and try to find is I mentioned that sweet spot. And that sweet spot is where you are in your crease. Uh, you know, some for some guys, it's, it's heels at the top of the crease. For some guys, it's toes. Some guys are just inside the top of the crease. But whatever it is, you know, when I've, when I've struggled – it's because I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm outside of that sweet spot. I'm trying to do something that's that instinctually is not comfortable for me. So you can try to do it all you want. You know, I've I've been I've been pushed a lot of times. You, you know, you're big, you gotta you gotta play further out. Play further out. But the problem is 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 instinctually in your brain and your body, it's always gonna come back to where you're comfortable. So the only thing for me when I played too far out, the only thing that would happen is I was just drifting when the shot was coming. And that just gave me a whole bunch of extra movement because in my brain, my brain wanted me to be where I was comfortable being. So if I came way out my, and then the play was happening, my brain just said, no, no, come back. So I'd end up just drifting back. Now you're moving. And now I'm moving. And now I'm not, I'm not doing what I want to be doing. And I found that a lot that when I played too far out, you're always going to have that sweet spot that when you stop thinking about where you are in the crease, when the play is happening, your brain's always going to bring your instincts are always going to bring you back to that spot that you're comfortable. So you can try to play out, you can, you know, in certain situations, but you got to find that. And, and for some guys, like I said, it's outside the crease. Some guys is, heels on the crease, some guys are toes, some guys are inside the crease, but whatever it is, you got to find that spot that you're naturally comfortable being in, unless it's, you know, costing you goals, which then you got to work through that. Yeah, honest evaluation if it's not working right. Um, now, the one of the, yeah. correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the big things for you um, after, you know, a good start in Edmonton, you get traded, there was the year where you bounced around. 
Um, the next year you sign in Arizona, but I remember, I seem to recall Sean Burke gave you a sort of rule of thumb on that in terms of that depth and that sweet spot in managing. Can you share that? And is, was that, was that a big one for you at that time? Absolutely. So he was, he was big, like, like Burke, he was big on, on being set for the shot. So, you know, I remember him telling me, uh, I don't care where you play in your crease. Cause everyone, you know, everyone always thinks Berkey's like, a uh, uh, play deep in your crease. You know, you gotta you gotta stand back, and you know he never he never told me where to play in my crease. All he said was, "I want you to beat the pass on your feet and be set." So, wherever you're comfortable doing that, and wherever that is, I want you to be able to beat the pass on your feet, push, stop, and set. So obviously, if the play is higher out, then I can be further out in my crease because I have more time to get over on a lateral pass. I can push over and set. I have more time to cover more distance as it gets closer. I might have to play a little further back. And so he never told me ever where I should play in my crease. He just said, I want you to be able to beat a pass on your feet. And you know what? Some guys that are, that are better skaters might be able to play further out than me. You know, if a guy's a phenomenal skater, they can play like you look at, uh, at flower, Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, the guy's, he can play further out than me because he floats around on the ice. Pricer floats around on the ice. You know, they, they have the ability to play further out because they can beat that. But that's really all he, he said is just, I want you to be able to beat this pass on your feet and be set when the shot's coming and figure it out from there. Sounds like a good rule of thumb. It sounds like, it sounds like one that, you know, you'd be able to, you know, at lower levels where you don't have, video reviews on a daily basis with goalie coaches going over things, you'd be able to self-monitor a little bit. Like it sounds to me like a really nice foundational mindset to, to kind of go into, I don't want to say at any age, but certainly for, you know, once you get up in the levels, it, it just makes a lot of sense. I love it. It, it makes so much sense. And also you can just like, we just, we hammered on this every single day. You know, it was very simple drills. The, the, the drills we did before practice, you know, it was it was like guys lined up on the on the face off dots outside the blue line. Two strides, pass across, shot. So it was, you're just there. Push, stop, set, shot. Push, stop, set, shot. And then, you know, they'd start in the middle and it was pass over, push, stop, set, pass across. But like it was just we just hammered on it every single day on beating the pass on your feet and being set when the shot comes. And it's such an easy thing to just just pound into your game. And I mean, it obviously helped me a ton. In an era where like the game's never been faster laterally, like you have to be able to go left, right. Mm -hmm. You have to be able, as you said, move and skate, um, being set as well. Like it's not just a matter of getting there. It's a matter of getting there and sort of being set and square as well. It's, which sounds like basic fundamental goaltending. And yet as we came through sort of the pandemic and talked to a lot of goalie coaches that were sort of using that time to, you know, dig back into the position, I heard it more and more, like a lot of guys coming back to that. Like it really is about those same simple principles about being there, being set, being square. And whether it's managing depth or finding new efficiencies of movement to get there, that is a foundation for all goalies, no? Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think, you know, when you get in the upper level of, of goaltenders, I don't think a lot of guys get beat in a game 
you know, guys get beat in practice because I mean, guys, guys just shoot pucks so well that when they're when they're untouched. But in a game, you don't see guys get beat when they're when they're feeling good and they're on. If they if you watch, if their feet are set and they're where they want to be in the crease, you just don't see guys get beat that much. And I mean, yeah. obviously, there's a lot of plays that happen that you know, watching as a goalie, you're like, well, pucks going in the net. Sorry. And maybe he'll make a ridiculous save, but a lot of the straight on shots, I think that you see go in, have a lot to do with feet not being set. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And I think a lot of that also has to do, like I was mentioning before, a lot of times when your feet aren't set, you might think they are, but like the smallest amount of drift, and that comes with, with that sweet spot, like I was talking about, where. If you're a little too far out or you're a little too deep, you're naturally going to, as you get ready for the shot, if you're too deep, you're naturally going to drift forward. And if you're too far out, as the shot comes, you're naturally going to drift backwards because that's your instinct where you know you are comfortable being. So if you find that spot where you can just be set, I don't think a lot of goalies in the league are getting beat. You don't see you don't see a ton of shots where guys like set solid and gets beat by a shot. Unless it's, you know, I mean, phenomenal shot, which also happens. But a lot of times when you see guys get beat under the arm or, they're, you know, they're waving their glove a little bit, it's because they're moving. Yeah, and we see offenses and players trying to create dynamic, you know, lateral plays on, on the offensive end, but also yeah. players with deception too, trying to create that movement. Exactly. And I mean, even, yeah, even the little deception can create that little drift or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, it, like, it's, trust me, I'm not saying that uh, it's easy to do because things happen fast out there. Uh, it's very difficult. And I'm, I'm not, certainly not a, a scholar at it, but that's, I just think it's a, it's a huge part. I, I know personally when I can have my feet set that I was very good. Now, okay, so not a scholar, but I hear you might have a bit of a photographic memory when it comes to goals. Is it true that you, if I were to pull up like a random date and a game and and like the third goal in the third period or something like that, you'd be able to remember what happened? And I had, don't worry, I I, I haven't prepared any. I'm it's not going to test little, you. It's getting a little, a little foggier as I get older, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I uh, well. I, mean, I could probably tell you some of the goals that went in that seven three game in Vancouver against the Giants, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's kind of it's kind of the goalie's curse. I don't know. I mean, we could probably run run through most of last year. Yeah, I could I could probably give it to you a little bit, a little breakdown. But yeah, it's a, it's it, a is that be it, it's so a gift and a curse? But how do you like? Is that be like? Is it in part because you're reviewing it? Just in your head, Devin, or actually because all the film work you do? Like, where does video work? Um... No, it's just, just in your head, I think. I mean, personally, it's, it's. I mean, obviously you go over film, but, you know, growing up, and, and again, I mean, things change over time, but I always just felt like growing up, like there was something more I could have done on a goal. You know, give or take the, you obviously get the weird goals, that, like there's no chance, but I always, like, always in my head thinking back on goals. I always wondered, I probably could have done something different. 
So in some ways you were doing your your own video review long before you got to the stage where you were you had somebody doing it with you. Yeah. So even if it wasn't if it wasn't fair, like you know, again, if it was a goal that's realistically going to go in no matter what, I was always like, wow, what if I did this? What if I did this? And so you always just run it back in your head, and yeah, it just kind of burned in my brain, like. Well, like I said, it's a it's a gift and a curse. It's uh it's it's a little little foggier now as I get older, but I can certainly I mean I can I can run you back. Well listen it, it's uh it's I might I might take you up on that one of these days, but we've been at it over an hour right. and I know that I know there's other questions I wanna ask. I mean you've got some we've had these conversations in the past, never with the tape recorder running, but you know, things like um, you know, how to read a game and, and you've done some pro reads with us, but also I know like, you know, your thoughts on the instinctual reading of a game versus, you know, pre-planned. I do this when the puck gets here stuff. There's a whole bunch of things we could get into. Let's save it for part B. Um, and part B we Perfect. can do after this season is over. Uh, and let's hope that, you know, when it ends, it's, it's with uh, an opportunity for you to play again. Because uh, I know as much as you're content right now, there's I can, I can tell there's still that itch to play, and I know you're ready to play. So um, we'll leave it there for now, um, but I promise to get back to you for more, and maybe one of these days we'll put a test to all those goals, or at least a few, and run few, through a few clips. Sounds good. All right, Doobie, all the best, man. Enjoy the time with the family, and like I said, hopefully there's, you know, you'll get a ton of it, and then there'll be a perfect opportunity at the perfect time that comes up. I hope so, man. Thank you. Always fun to chat. That story. Can I just go back to, to being on the bus and chatting away and talking, talking, talking? And and I know Dean Evison. And just that that voice is scary when it bellows back. <laughs> I got nervous and, and kind of shrunk down when, when Dubnik told that story. It's uh, like just there was a naivety for him going into junior, like a real no expectations, which I guess could be a positive in some regards. But I guess in post game bus conversations, there might be some etiquette that he needed to learn in a hurry there. So um, just I, I mean, there were so many good. The ECA, are you kidding me? I just wanted, <laughs> I just to, wanted to shoot <laughs> <laughs> to say I just wanted to tell my buddies that I'd shot on you, like. Oh, that's classic. I love it. <laughs> the, the line brawl? Get out there. He's just sitting there taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize that meant he was in the game. I love that one, too. Oh, uh, a whole bunch of fun. Uh, what's happening? What do we got going on over at the Ingle Mag? Uh, tell us, uh, oh, for premium members, I mean, th- there's a treasure trove of uh, resources. Yeah, if you go back, I mean... I remember when we started this out, guys, and we got really excited to be able to tell people there's 10 pro reads up now. You might want to go and subscribe. We've got four different gear stories. Go become a member. Now we've got, we're coming up pretty soon here, guys, to two years worth of content. So you become a member of Ingle Premium today, and there's close to two years worth of pro reads there a new one every week we know it's the one that people come to the most we know that pro goaltenders and coaches even are using it as a resource the opportunity to sit down with nhl goaltenders and see them walk their way through saves including this week's guest devin dubnik who had a fantastic one with woody um i think what do we do 15 minutes 
What's that? What do we do? 15 minutes on one power play sequence? Well, I was going to say it's almost as long as uh, one of the two uh, interviews that you did with him. So, uh, I mean, and and as you referenced in that interview, like right right back to Carey Price as well as the very first one. So, you know, the amount of stuff that's there now, and then you've got all the pro drills, including the most recent one with Ian Clark working with Thatcher Demko. Um, there's just so much there, guys. It's just an incredible resource. We're, we're obviously really proud of all the work that's gone into it over the last couple of years. And whether you're, you know, a young goaltender looking to learn or a beer leaguer or just really a fan of the position, it's, it's a great opportunity to check out the content there today, Woody. Yeah, and uh, lots more coming. I know we had it's been a little thin on the drills. They've been once every couple of weeks. They're going to be increasing now here as we get pro hockey back in Vancouver. The Canucks started the season with two weeks on the road, but they're back this week, so chance to catch up with a bunch of guys. And also the American Hockey League is back here in Abbotsford, suburb of Vancouver. I've got the Henderson Silver Knights, Freddie Brathwaite, Logan Thompson, who we've had. Dylan Ferguson, who we've had on the podcast, they're all here this weekend. Chance to watch them do drills, film them do drills, and talk to them about those drills and some of the tips and keys that we're going to share with you. So just, you know, excited. It was a long off season, excited to kick back in and start cranking out that content on a weekly basis, fresh stuff with the guys coming into town, starting with the Henderson Silver Knights. And the next week, I think we've got Minnesota in town with Cam Talbot, Carter Hart's in town for a day with the Philadelphia Flyers, like so much exciting stuff coming. And speaking of content, new subscriber, Nico Dawes, last week's guest on the InGoal Radio podcast. How about that bump? Day after we do the interview, first American Hockey League start, first American Hockey League W. And as we sit down to record this interview today, a call up to the National Hockey League with Mackenzie Blackwood still out and Jonathan Bernier nursing a day-to-day injury Nico Dawes is going to be on a National Hockey League bench one week after recording with us. Wow. Hey, you're listening to this. I encourage you, take a second and look around the World Wide Web or uh, check out social media and, and just find out who has access to National Hockey League goaltenders, American Hockey League goaltenders who are walking you through uh, tape or telling you their stories uh, about their experiences or suggestions. Take a look at, at how many people are doing that. And nobody does it like In Goal Mag and In Goal Radio, the podcast. And, uh, and you'll keep coming back here. So let us know what, uh, what you think, who you want to hear from, and, uh, and maybe questions, comments uh, about the, the pro reads or the interviews or the gear segments. Maybe you see something that, uh, that you haven't been able to find and uh, send us a, a gear segment question and Woody can track it down with Cam over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for Sports Surrey. Wouldn't it be nice to give Cam an assignment? Yes. Can we come up with one? <laughs> yes, I will. I will work on it right now. I, uh, the, I mean, beyond putting the gloves back on the wall after I've been there. <laughs> Which is like probably 30% of his, uh, his workload. Uh, great job with Doobie. That was, that was so much fun. Just listening to his tales but also uh, the priorities that he has in his life and the journey. Uh, more than 500 National Hockey League starts. Yeah, it's been, uh, like I said, it's, it's been a good career. Uh, hopefully it's not the end of the career. Hopefully there's another opportunity for him as much as you don't wish ill on anyone else. If there is an injury, hopefully teams take a look. Because like we said, I think, uh, I think he's ready, eager, and they take a look at 
um, San Jose and Colorado. You talked to those teams about the impact he had in the room as well. Just, uh, you know, uh, as a teammate, um, you will hear nothing but good things. So, uh, you know, all the best to Doobie. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, hopefully we see him at a National Hockey League rink here in the near future. Hutch, you have a good week. Okay, pal? Well, thank you, Darren. You have a good week as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, it's good to connect with you in between Woody's uh, soliloquies. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate uh, spending some time with you. Uh, I feel lucky just you, to hang out and listen to well. Woody. Uh, uh, please uh, correspond with us. Uh, no question is uh, too small or too insignificant. We love to uh, to hear from all of our listeners and all of the readers and all the sub- subscribers over at Ingold Premium. Uh, we'll chat with you next week on Ingold Radio, the podcast. Mm-hmm.